God. I woke up, uh, actually last night the Lord began to talk to me about something and I woke up this morning with the same thing on my mind. And I'm going to be very bold today to say this. And um, hear what I'm saying. And when I say this, I'm not trying to make it an exclusive statement. Hopefully it's an inclusive statement. But some may take it as me being exclusive. But the Lord began to deal with me last night about uh, there's some one or some bodies, I believe it's more than one, that is watching today that you are battling with or you have been a victim of hopelessness. And you are losing hope and it's a fight to keep your hope or you've succumbed completely to hopelessness. And I believe today if you would just give me a few minutes of your time that God wants to speak to you today. I know some of you probably uh, hear that statement. You're like, my life is awesome. I mean, literally, I'm just killing it right now. I'm not hopeless at all. Well, God bless you. You know, take the week off. You just are, you're too good. You're, you, know, you know, you're too blessed to stress. God bless you. But I believe there is an element in this that will speak to all of us. Because let's be honest, we are living in a period of time where uh, hopelessness seems to be the flavor of the week. It is absolutely, um, if you allow yourself, it's overwhelming. Um, there is so much negativity going on right now, and that doesn't even include what's happening in your, in your own personal world. There's stuff we're dealing with personally that's overwhelming. And then you add on the just mushrooming cloud of negativity in this world, the doomsday uh, of life. And I have to say this, and you probably won't agree with me. Some of you, I know you won't agree with me, but there is no rescuer for where we're at. I don't care who you vote for in, in next month. They're not going to rescue this country because ultimately this country is slipping down a dark slope that ultimately is bigger than who's president. And so if you're looking for the magic way, are you awake? You know, it's sort of this whole thing. I talked about it several months ago. You know, it's this desire. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I don't know, folks. I don't know. Maybe the parts of the country, some of you in, it, it feels normal again. Maybe God bless you. But I know for where we are in this part of the country, we're in Maryland. And I know for the rest of the Northeast, um, Normal seems like a far distant thing. My wife and I were driving the other day and, you know, we were just kind of, kind of contemplating the fact that it's October. It's October. And we're like, where, where, how did we get to October? Like, seriously, it's just, it, it, everything feels off. You walk into the stores now and there's Christmas trees up and it's just like, wait a minute. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's, it does, it just, everything feels off. Maybe it doesn't for you and maybe, maybe we're the only ones and so, if that's the case, pray for us. But it just feels off. Everything feels off. And part of the reason why is because for our area of the country, we had so many things that were mandated to us uh, by the government. We didn't have a lot of the benchmarks, the summer benchmarks. Like we didn't have a really normal Memorial Day. We didn't have a 4th of July. Uh, Easter was thrown off. Labor Day was... There was these different meters and things that we use throughout the year to kind of give us a feeling of where the, where the year is. Net, they weren't there. They just... You know, very few of us had the opportunity to go on vacation. If we did go on vacation, it was kind of strange. 
um, and we've been working from home and, you know, stores have been kind of weird and I, you know, literally have not been out to a restaurant. Um, uh, we, uh, we, we went to a restaurant and we sat outside, but we have not sat in a restaurant in seven months. Again, I mean, that's not because we're scared. It's just what we've chosen to do. So it's like, it's just so many things about life that are so thrown off and you look at it and it's just this sense of where are life? And it, it, at one point, it feels like 2020 has gone on forever. I mean, it just feels like 2020 has been just mind-numbingly slow. But there's another side, 2020. It's like, we're, we, just, we were just in March. How did we get to October? I mean, we're two months away from Christmas. What happened to this year? So you have all these different things. And, and then you just add that on to just the, just the craziness of our world and the unrest and the and the, the 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 just the negativity and there's just nothing seemingly good going on right now. So you add all that and then you just as if that wasn't enough, we still have our own personal world that we're struggling with. You have our own issues and man, I'm telling you what, if you are a human being, there has to be some time in the last seven months that you have battled with feelings of hopelessness. I don't care who you are. If you were honest, there has to be at least, at least a minute. Come on. Some of you that are so strong and so powerful and you're just so full of Jesus and life. You, you've never had a bad day. God bless you. But you've not had at least a few minutes of just struggle the last seven months. Um, recently, uh, and I, I, I say this with, with soberness. I don't make light of this at all. But just uh, there was a couple a man and woman, I believe they were from Virginia, that drove to the Bay Bridge. The Bay Bridge, in case you're not from this area, the Bay Bridge is a, uh, a large bridge that, that spans the western and eastern shores of Maryland and goes over the Chesapeake Bay. It's about four hundred four and a half miles long, and at its, at its height, it's, uh, I think it's 150 feet more than that, I'm not exactly sure the number, but it's it's a tall bridge, very very tall, and it's been a place where over the number of years people have driven to the top of the bridge, parked their car, got off, and jumped. Um, and recently, actually within the last, um, I think the last two months, uh, a husband and wife went to the bridge and jumped off together. She died, he survived, and has actually gone back to the bridge several times um, and in an attempt to possibly jump again. Um, and it just kind of just hits me. What, 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 what has to happen in someone's life? I mean, they, they didn't exactly just drive across the street. They had a drive from, I believe I saw a, a news report that said they're from Virginia. Virginia to the Bay Bridge, depending on what part of Virginia you're from with the traffic in this area, it's gotta be at least an hour, maybe, on a good day. Could take longer than that. So you have you have that period of time you're driving, knowing where you're going, knowing what you're about to do, uh, and you're that hopeless that that seems like the best alternative. That's, that's staggering. But to know the reality, and I'm going to talk very raw today, but to know the reality that for some of you, that actually seems like a good idea. 
for some of you, that's actually seems like there's a part of you that go, that's horrible. There's other part of you go, wow, eh, it's not a bad idea. Because we're battling with all this hopelessness. It was a little bird, a little bird that was flying south for the winter. Problem was the little bird left too late. And so by the time he began to ascend into the sky to fly south, the temperature was beginning to drop to the point where the bird began to freeze. And with the decline in temperature and the climate, he didn't have the strength left in his wings to be able to fly. It was too cold. The elements were too much against him by that time to fly. And in his feeble attempt to escape the cold of the north, to escape into the uh, milder winter of the south, uh, the, the temperature became too great for him to overcome, and he plummeted out of the sky and fell onto a pile, or fell onto a, a field uh, where there were some cows. He lay there frozen. Not able to move, and after a few minutes of laying there, a cow came by and dropped a pile of manure on the poor bird's head. What a just a bad day got worse. Not only had he dealt with the climate and had gotten to the point where he couldn't get any more, but it seemed like now he went from bad to worse because he couldn't make it, he fell out of the sky, landed in a field, and now on top of that, he had this cow come along. He's hopeless. He's helpless. He's laying here. What's up with this? And of all the things that could have happened on me, this cow comes along and drops a pile of manure on his head. What a life. But after a few moments, the bird began to realize something. That even though the manure was not exactly something he would have chosen, the manure actually was warm. And the warmth of manure began to actually bring back feeling and bring back strength into his wings and body because it was beginning to thaw out the cold. And now, wait a minute, okay, well, I didn't want this, but hey, it's working. And so he began to chirp and he began to sing. He was excited. And in that chirping and singing, he caught the attention of a passing by cat. And the cat comes over and explores the pile and hears the chirping, begins to dig through it and finds the little bird and proceeds to eat it. No more bird. I know that seems like some of a bizarre story, but it illustrates several points here that I want to bring out. First of all, everyone that drops manure on your head is not your enemy. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I know exactly what you came here to hear, hear me say today. You're like, what in the, wh how, did, how did we get here? Not everybody that drops manure on your head is your enemy. Number two, not everybody who digs you out of your situation is your friend. And sometimes the third thing, when you're going through that pile of manure... Sometimes it's best to keep your mouth shut. It seemed like the little bird had absolutely everything going wrong. Fell out of the sky. Dropped manure on his head. But not everybody that drops manure in your life 
is your enemy. And not everybody that digs you out of your situation is your friend. So I'm not here to talk about that today, but I want to illustrate the point today that if you would allow God to help you today, some of you feel like you're sitting in a pile of manure. I know that sounds great, right? You're just, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you for telling me that. But that's the way we feel. But careful, what you think came to destroy you, God has actually brought in your life for your good. You just can't see it now because the feeling of hopelessness has blinded you to the fact that where you think you are is just absolutely the worst. And in your cry of help, you're going to have someone come along to dig you out. But not everybody that digs you out is your friend. Get on Facebook, call somebody. Hey, I'm going through stuff. Would you help me? Be careful who you let dig you out because there's sometimes where you have to have a friend that tells you, you know what, I love you enough not to dig you out of your situation. Whoa, wait a minute. That's the hard part about being a parent. Every parent has had to deal with this. Every parent has got to know when to dig and when to let a child stay in that situation. Sometimes as a parent, the hardest thing is to want to dig your child out of it. But you know, if you do, you're going to do more damage by digging them out of it than you do if you leave them in there. And by leaving it in there, you're actually helping the child develop and grow beyond what they can be. Same thing with God. There are some things, and I'm, I'm going in a different direction, but I want to make this point first. Some of you right now, it feels like life is just dumping stuff on your head. And you're like, what is up with this? Can I just get a break? But can I tell you, not everybody who drops manure on your head is your enemy. Because there may be times God brings stuff in your life that stinks, that smells, and don't feel so good. But God brings it because he can see a far greater purpose. A far exceeding and greater purpose than you can imagine. The Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered in the hearts of men the things that God has prepared to them that love them. There's some things that I will never be able to comprehend with my mind. I will never be able to see with my eyes. I will never be understand with my ears. It will never make sense. The Bible says that God uses the simple things to confound the wise. That God uses some things that are so simple and so not what they should be to confound our intellect because we always think we know what's best for us. And some of you today, you feel like you're sitting in a pile of manure. But if you would let God change your perspective on that, you realize what you thought came to destroy you actually came to protect you, came to elevate you, came to grow you. David was sitting in a cave. King David, the guy who was supposed to be the king of Israel, he gets, an, he gets anointed uh, as the king by Samuel when he was a young boy. I mean, this is a guy who slings and kills the giant. I mean, this guy is a... I hate to use this term, but it's, he's like the rock star. This guy is a celebrity of Israel. I mean, everybody wants to be David. I mean, little boys are running around with slingshots going, who are you? I'm David. Everybody's like, I want to be David. I mean, people are calling, chanting his name. And the king of Israel, Saul, didn't like that too much. And Saul was like, oh, this is bad. And Saul began to hate David, despise David, to the point he actually chased David out of town in an attempt to kill him. And David finds himself in a cave. In Abdullah, it was a cave. It was a dark place. It was a lonely place. And on top of that, at this cave, he was he was around these men that were literally like hoodlums. He was around all these men, these outlaws. It was like four. It was about four hundred men that were hoodlums, outlaws, thugs, the the lowest of. I mean, these guys were 
bad dudes. And so it's on top. It's like, okay, God, you know, what are you doing? You know, I didn't ask to be king. I'm out there with the, I'm out there with my sheep. Now you anointed me the king. Okay, well, I can deal with that. And then I went and killed the giant. Everybody else was scared. I was the one that killed the giant. I was just doing what I believed you could do through me. And now all of a sudden everybody went to liking me. And I didn't ask them to like me. And now all of a sudden the king's mad at me. He's chasing me, killing me. And I'm now I'm up in the cave. What's up with this? Why does it feel like this cave is a big pile of manure to me, God? Why? Read some of the things that David wrote in that cave. There's some things he wrote. He was like, what's up with this, God? How did I end up here? I thought, you know, I was a boy, and I got anointed to be king, and I don't see a palace in my future now. All I see is, a, is this. And on top of that, you put me with a bunch of these hoodlums. I don't even know if I can even sleep at night. I mean, i got to sleep with one eye open, because if I even dare to close my eyes... You know, these guys are probably going to beat me up. They're probably going to rob me, steal me, strip me. I mean, uh, leave me. I mean, what's up with this God? But what David didn't understand was there was something happening in him in that cave that couldn't happen outside of the cave. And when he came out of the cave, he came out a different man. In fact, the 400 men that were the bad dudes actually became 400 of his most loyal men. They became the mighty men of David. These guys who didn't look like they were going to be any help at all became some of his most trusted and mighty warriors when he arose to be king. Maybe there's somebody in your life today that God's brought in your life that you go, man, this person is absolutely, God, why did you stick me with this person? God, why did you put this person in my life? You know, where's the, I want the, I want the, you know, the, those, those people that are really like, I want either somebody like this or something like that. God, I don't want that. I mean, you brought that person in my life. Yeah, but God says, you don't know what I'm trying to do. It looks like manure, but it's not. It's actually my provision to move you into a different direction. What you think destroy you, I'm actually going to use to save you. But see, we sometimes let people dig us out. We want someone to, hey, gay, some passerby, help me out of this cave. If someone had come and rescued David out of that cave, he would have never made it to the palace. But it was because the fact that he walked out of that cave on his own power because God had done the work necessary that took David from the cave to the palace. Don't let someone pull you out of the situation you're in until God's ready to let you walk out on your own. So where's, where's your hope meter today? If you had a hope meter today, like a gas tank in your car, we all get in our car and probably within the first few moments of turning on your car, we look at the gas gauge and we remind ourselves how much fuel we have. Do we have enough fuel to go to, to get to work without stopping? Do we have enough fuel to get to the work and get home without stopping? Do we have enough fuel to get to the store? Sometimes we get in the car and we're like, ooh, I hope I have enough to get to the gas station without running out. So if today, if we could take that same thought process and we could put hope in a tank in your life, where would your hope meter be today? You had half a tank, three quarters of a tank. Maybe you're just, you just filled up, you know, that way. Maybe you're one of those people that when you gas up, you're the one that just keeps squeezing that gas pump. Until literally it just spills out. Maybe that's where you are now. You got so much hope, it's just spilling out. Maybe you're just full of it. You're full of hope. You're just overflowing with hope. God bless you. Maybe you're someone that, 
you know, it's not full, but, you know, it's three quarters of a tank. It's okay. Well, you know, I, I, I could use a little more, but I'm not, I'm not desperate. Maybe you're today, you're like a half a tank. Maybe it's like, well, I'm not full, but I'm not empty. I'm kind of in between, you know, probably should start trying to figure out how much longer I can work on this tank of gas, but I'm not to the point where I need to make any decision today. Thanks for talking to me today, but I'm not really quite there, but I'll keep it in mind. You know, you're at half a tank. You're not ready to stop at the gas station, but you do know I got to monitor this because I'm going to have to stop soon. And maybe you're today at a quarter tank and maybe you are somebody that's at a quarter tank and you know, you know, I'm, I'm low. I'm not quite empty yet, but I, I, I may have a little, I may have a few more days left in me before it becomes crucial. And maybe today you're like, well, you know, thanks for sharing that today, but I'm not quite there yet because it's just, I know I'm a quarter of a tank. I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting low. I, I'm starting to feel the effects of getting low in my hope meter, but um, I'm not quite yet where I need to make a decision, but I, I do need to keep it in mind. So thanks for reminding me that. But then I don't know what your car does, but my car, when you get to a certain point, you get that light that comes on your dashboard, the little gas gauge that says, you might want to start getting fuel soon. You have enough to keep driving, but I'm not sure you have enough to keep going the way you've been going. You're going to have to make a decision now because if you keep going the way you are, more than likely um, you're going to run out of gas before you realize it. So I'm going to put this warning light on your dash because even though, and look, all of us probably have done it. We know kind of like, you know, you have 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles, whatever it might be in your tank when that light comes on. But it's a risk because we don't know exactly how far we have to go. So when that light comes on, you better start trying to figure out a way to pull over to the side and get some kind of fuel. Because if you're going to risk it, there's a chance you may actually run out of gas and some of you today, your light has come on. Some of you this week, your light, your gauge, you started blinking. I'm low on hope. I need to start doing something now because if I keep going the way I am, I'm going to run out. But then there are some of you, and I've done this. God forgive me for doing this. But there's some of you, that little gauge comes on, the little light comes on. You're like, eh, okay, I'm, I, I got a few more days. And I'm, I've driven a day or two on that dumb light trying to... Why I don't stop? I have no idea. I don't. I, I, I'm not that busy. I don't know. I just what? I guess it's just male stubbornness or just laziness or probably a little bit of both. I don't, just don't stop. And I know all of you are like, oh, you can't. You 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 shouldn't let your car get that low. I get it. I know. I got it. You're right. Uh but we've all done it, right? And you drip. And if I. Once in my life, I did drive to where I ran out of gas. And I had watched that warning light go off and didn't heed it. And kept going and going, going, thinking that I could somehow just squeeze a few more miles out to the point I had no more gas. And I was stuck on the side of the road and had to get fuel. Some of you are right there. Your light went off months ago. Your warning light went off sometime a while back, and you've just been trying to squeeze out every drop of fuel you can, every fume of hope that's left in your tank you're trying to live off of, but you are within moments of being in total, utter despair. So wherever you are today in your hope meter, about the only person probably today that this doesn't apply to is the 
1% of you that have a tank overflowing with hope. God bless you. We all envy you, but we're not all there. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse number 22 and 23, it says this. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the nations. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their hips. Kings will be your foster fathers and the queens your nursing mother. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. And here's the here's the what I want you to hear. They will they then you will know that I am the Lord. And here's the phrase that I want you to hear today. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. The Bible is literally covered with stories of seemingly hopeless odds. You say today, well, you don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how difficult my life is. You don't know all that I'm going through. You know what? I don't. Some of you, I couldn't even empathize with you from one degree because I've never walked your road. I can't even imagine what some of the difficulties some of you are going through today. I would be, I would be completely 100% um, uh, wrong to say to you that I understand where you are because some of you I don't understand. I've never walked your road. But I do know. I do know of someone who knows exactly where you are today. I do know somebody who knows every single thing about you. He knows your fears. He knows your weaknesses. He knows every thought. He knows every night that you've laid in bed contemplating, do you even want to wake up in the morning? Do I even want my eyes to open up in the morning? And, and maybe you've been there before and maybe you're there now. Instead of waking up in the morning with eyes that pop open and go, thank you, Father, for blessing me with another day. Your eyes pop open. You're like, oh, God, not another day. Why didn't I just silently go in my sleep last night? You don't want to wake up because waking up to you is just another day of hopelessness. It's another day of life the way it is. Another day of just dealing with things. And you don't know how many more days you have like this. You don't know how many more days can I just survive like this. And you try to find moments of peace and moments of, of, uh, of, of happiness throughout the day, but they're sprinkled so few and they're so short-lived that even those have stopped leading you to have joy. And those of you, those that, that even those things have stopped working. You know, you, you, the, the movies you used to watch don't really, they don't really, they're not really that entertaining anymore. And the TV shows you used to love, yeah, you watch them, but they just, they leave you feeling more empty inside. And the friends you used to hang out with, yeah, they're good people and they're okay and they make you laugh, but in the end when you walk away, there's nothing there. Maybe it's your job that used to bring you so much fulfillment. Now it just seems like every day is absolutely a fight or a struggle. Maybe it's the career you were chasing that seems to have slipped farther and farther away from reality. And now you're like, I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life because what I thought I was and what I thought I was shooting for, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. And maybe you're in a marriage that seems like it's just 
broken and fractured and never will be whole. Or maybe you're, you're in a situation where, you're, where your own personal life, you've been used, abused, hurt. Whatever you did, whatever you got, whatever brought you to this point, it doesn't matter how you got here. The fact is you are here today and you're sitting and wondering, do I even want to continue or is, it, is there even a purpose and a reason to continue? I know right now I'm talking to somebody, not me, but Jesus is talking. I know somebody is listening. It may be one or two. Some of you may have already checked out today, and that's fine. You may be already off doing your own thing, but I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear what God's trying to tell you today because he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And if you would let him today, he can turn things around because the Bible just said, and we read it, he says, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. How many of you are tired of believing and striving for something, but always seeming like you get let down? You, oh, you, whoa, if I get, whoa, I can't wait to go on this view. Well, you build up, you know, not, it's hard now with COVID, but you ever had that vacation that you just were like, just, it's the dream vacation, or maybe it's just, maybe it's not the dream dream, but it's like something you were really looking forward to, and you've planned, and you've saved, and You've scratched and you got an extra job and you worked extra time, get overtime to get that money so you could be able to go on that vacation. And you go and it was nice. Got a lot of cool pictures, posted a lot of good stuff online, kind of got to share the memory of that. It's great. But in the end, it's just a vacation. It's just a moment because now you're back to reality. You're back to the moment. Yeah, it was great. And you got to see sights, or you went to Disney World, you went to the beach, you went to the mountains, you went on a cruise, whatever it might be. And it felt good, it felt it felt great while you were there, but it was just momentary, it was fleeting. Because the reality of on your way back home, whether it was by car or by plane, but on the way back home, when you begin to see every moment, every mile that brought you closer to home, brought more dread and hopelessness, because you knew you were having to go back and face your world. And so when someone says, God wants you to have life and peace and joy and happiness, you're like, yeah, that seems like a far-fetched thing. Now, listen, I got to be honest with you. Let me go back to my original story. When you walk with God, there's a lot of manure. A lot. I can't tell you today that when you walk with God, you're soaring with eagle's wings above the clouds and you're just flapping your wings in beautiful warm weather. Sometimes you go through things and you plummet to the ground and when you hit that ground, there's a big chunk of manure that hits on top of your head. It happens. It, it's a part of the process. So I don't want to sell you something that's not true today. I'm not, I'm not trying to say to you today that if you let God take control, that's going to change everything. You're never going to have a bad day. You're never going you know, you're, you're, you're to have to brush your teeth because your breath will never smell. No, your breath still is going to smell. Brush your teeth. You're never going to have to take another shower again because you're just going to be in this aura of love and this aura of peace that you're just going to exude love. No, you better take a shower because you smell. There's just, that, that's a part of the journey. Jesus said it, in this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have problems. You're going to have struggles. You're going to go through things. Because you know what, bottom line, I hate to say this, this ain't heaven. Why, why, why even go to heaven if the world is so perfect we don't want to leave? I mean, Americans, we're spoiled. Man, we are spoiled. Can I just be honest with you? We're spoiled. Our life, our life even for some of you that today you don't have everything you want compared to probably 80% of this world, you are a king. 
I know you're like, well, look around. I got nothing. You may not have nothing in American comparison, but as far as the rest of the world, you have a lot. But we have this expectation in America. We have this sort of desire. We want it. I mean, we want life. We want to have this. We want to have that life. We want to get those cars, the house, the career, the job, the money, the bling, the clothes, the vacations. We want that. That's what we want. We want to be that. We want to be that Instagram influencer, that Facebook poster that we get to post all of. We're tired of seeing so-and-so always posting what they get to do. I want to post what I get to do. Look at me. Boom. Here I am. Boop. Selfie. Look at the background. That's where I'm at. We want that. And we want God to give it to us. And when God doesn't give it to us, we feel like we're not, we're getting the, the bad in the deal. Can I be honest with you? I'm going to say this. God has not come into your life to fulfill the American dream. Hate to say it. God is not here to make, make your American dream come true. You work your life, you get to retire, you get to kick back in Florida on the next to the pool watching your grandkids swim while you go off and you play golf in the afternoon or you go shopping or walking the beach. That's not God's mentality. He's not trying to get you to retirement. He's not trying to make your life perfect. In fact, your expiration date has already been designed by God. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. You're not even we're not even guaranteed that we're gonna live X amount. But we sit here and we, we want God to, to make our life like that. God, you know, bless me. God, pour your blessing. Why? So that I can have a life of ease, a life without. Why, if that's the case, why would he say, I go to prepare your place. In my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go prepare you a place. I'm going to go prepare a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, no more goodbyes, no more hurt, no more tears. If that's what he's preparing, why is he going to bring that? To, why do you want a life pain-free, problem-free, pressure-free? That's what's called heaven. And he never promised heaven here, but he promised that if we would submit to him, that this would be as bad as it gets. Do you know for the believer, can I tell somebody this today? For the believer, welcome to hell. That's exactly it's, That's exactly the way it is. Now, some of you are like, oh, can you say that? Can you say, is that, is, that, is that legal to say that word? You're right. Welcome to hell. Welcome to hell. For a believer, this is hell. Because for a believer, no matter where you are today, if you have believed in Jesus Christ and you have been baptized in his name and his spirit is indwelt in you, like the scripture says, what we need to do as far as our journey with him, and my life is submitted to him, and he is the Lord of my life, and I have his lordship over me, then I have hope today, not because of me, not because of the American dream, not because of who's president, who's governor, who's this, Amount of taxes I pay, amount of money I I make, the car I drive, the co the house I live in, the clothes I wear, the bling, the accessories, what I've got. None of that matters because in the end, that is the 
bottom. Everything from here is up. And it doesn't matter how far down life takes me. I know that greater things are coming my way because one day, whether it's through the rapture or one day I breathe my last breath on this earth, the moment I either get taken in the rapture or I breathe my last breath, from that point over, I'm crossing over to a place where no more pain, no more suffering, no more issues, no more goodbyes, no more hurt, no more tears, all the sane and sorrow that I've had to deal with, all the loss in this life, all the goodbyes I've had to say to loved ones or to friends who have passed away, and I don't want to see anybody die anymore. No more will that ever happen again. Some of you live with pain every day of your life, physical pain, difficulty. You can't even function, enjoy life anymore because you're in so much pain. There is coming a day where you will literally be able to walk pain-free. You'll be able to lift your hands pain-free. You'll be able to jump and run pain-free. But more than that, for those of you that live not with physical pain, but you live with emotional pain, emotional hurt, difficulty, depression, all the things that just pull you down, there will be a day where no more will that be. So when I think about that, I can feel like there's hope because I know, God, I don't want... I don't know if I can make it on my own, but God, I know with you, there's coming today. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. And with that hope, there are days where I can put one more foot in front of the other. Because I know that God is my hope. He said, if you put your hope in me, you won't be disappointed. That doesn't mean that it's going to turn out the way you want. It doesn't mean that that cow's not going to come along and drop some manure on your head. He said, but if you put your hope in me, you will not be disappointed. The question is, finding hope is not about some pie in the sky. Ooh, you know, ooh, I find hope. No, it's not some kind of mystical, whimsical, fairy tale feeling. Hope is who you are going to believe. The Bible says, at one point, it asked the question, whose report will you believe? So you have a choice today. What report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the, the report from the news? Are you going to repeat the you know, report because it's been posted on social media? Are you going to believe the report of, of the lie of, of the advertisers that say, if you get this product, that product, do this? Are you going to believe the report of the doctor says, take this, you'll feel better. Or take this, and you won't have to worry about that anymore. And you take it, but it doesn't work. It helps, but it's not solving the core of the problem. Are you going to believe that report? Or are you going to believe the report of God, not the report of Joel, right? My words are just nothing. Pointless, no power, but his words are life and truth. They'll set you free. They'll pick you up out of despair. And you know what? You can be sick in body, but whole inside of your inside of your heart. You can be broken in, in emotions, but whole in peace inside. Because God is bigger than all of that. The guy we just talked about, David, he wrote Psalms chapter 42. He is sort of lamenting some situations. He goes back and forth several times in Psalms 42, sort of like, you know, this uh, back and forth of I'm up, I'm down. You know, that old thing where you take, you know, he loves me, he loves me not. She loves me, she loves me. You know, you're picking petals off the flower. Which one is going to land on? David's sort of like that right now. He's just going through. He's, he's struggling. I mean, the dude's just, I mean, he's, it's, it's, it's rough. It's a bad it's a bad time in David's life. And one moment he's like, God loves me. God, where are you? God's awesome. God hates me. Back and forth. And he reads it. He goes this way. Psalms 42. As the deer pants after the water brooks. Oh, pants my soul after you. What? I'm just beautiful, right? This just sounds amazing. 
He says, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Where shall I come and appear before God? And then, so that's the good part. Like, oh God, I want you more than everything. I need you. And then David just follows that up with, my tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? He said, God, I want you. I need you. But on the other side, every night I go to bed and every day I wake up, my tears are food to me. Meaning tears flowing down his face at such a at such an amount and magnitude that they ran into his mouth. He could taste them. They became his food. You ever cried that much where you literally cried till you just it just enters in your mouth because your your tears become so heavy. Such high quantities. He says, I'm I'm literally tasting my food, tasting my tears. And on top of that, they're mocking me, saying, Where is your God? And he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude, they kept a pilgrim feast. Back up again. But then he comes in verse number five. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He's back down again. He's like, eh, uh, eh, uh. Then he says, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Back down again. He's like, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan. Back up again. And from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mazar. Deep calls at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime at night. His song shall be with me. A prayer to God. Of my life, I will say to God, my rock. And he goes back again. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. I mean, now we're back again to some really difficult things. I mean, he's asking God, where are you? You've left me. And he's like, why are you letting my enemies just oppress me? I feel like my life's falling apart. I feel like my bones are being broken. My enemies approach me. While they say to me all day long, here we go again, where's your God? I mean, you ever felt like that? Where's God? People said, you really are, you really believe there's a God? Look at your life. I mean, come on, if you really believe God, why is your life such a train wreck? And then he says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then he stops he ends with this. He just went back to that same thing he said earlier before. Where is, where's God? You know, what, what, why am I cast down? But he stops and he finishes this. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. In the end, after all of his struggle and frustration, his ups and downs, he came back to one thing. Hope in God. He came back to the fact that the promises of who God is to me is what gives me hope. I want to finish for the next just a minute. My words, I said this before, my words don't mean anything. But God's already given us his words in his Bible. His book, his book. He's given us 
his word. The Bible says in John chapter uh, 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word of God and God are not separate. They are one. So when the word of God speaking, God is speaking. And God's already given us words in this book that bring us hope. I want to read to you several of these. And Maybe not all of them apply, but I believe today, if you would listen to what I'm saying, not me, but I would listen to what I'm reading because I'm reading God's word, that one of these is going to say, remember I said in the beginning that just two words out of the Bible, Jesus wept, can change your life. I believe for some of you, if you would listen to what these words say, not my words, the words of the word of God, one of these is going to go, oh, yes, I got that. And maybe you need to remember that. Cling, hang on to it. Repeat it over your life. Speak it every day. Write it out. Put it on the put it on your mirror at, in your bathroom every day. Speak this over your life. Proclaim it because you're not proclaiming your words. You're proclaiming His words. And God word God God never lies. His word is true. Psalms one forty five verse nine. The Lord is good to all. He is compassion on all He has made. First Chronicles sixteen thirty four says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 2 Samuel 7.28 says, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy and your promised you, you have promised these good things to your servants. Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Psalms 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Can I just stop for a moment? Can you just try Jesus? The Bible says taste and see. Not try Jesus like a religious appetizer where you go in and you pick and say, well, let me taste this. You know, Jesus is not a wine tasting where you just sip a little bit and get the flavors of who he is. No. Can you just taste and see that the Lord is good? Just take a big chunk of Jesus today and try him out. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Psalms 84, 11, For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives a strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. If you're weary today, he's your side. If you don't have strength today, God's got you. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 43, verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That's a promise to God for somebody right now that you're walking through the waters, but he says, I'll be with you. You're walking through the river, but it's not going to sweep you away. You're walking through the fire. You're going to be in the fire. I'm not keeping you out of the fire, but if you're in the fire, you're not going to be burned. Sorry, I'm getting a little fired up today. You can't talk about the Bible and not get fired up. James 20, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid. 
Do not be discouraged. Oh, come on, somebody. I just That needs to resonate with somebody. I'm going to read it again. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. That's Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The fifth book of the Bible. 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalms 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your ride and your staff comfort me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God and the peace of God and the peace of God with is superior, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 14 verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you feel like your world is dark, there's an answer. Jesus. Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is the words that Jesus later quotes about himself. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, the release from darkness for the prisoners. John 14, 15 and 16 says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you, but there's someone here for you. We have an advocate through Christ Jesus. Finally, John 10, uh, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. There's an enemy trying to destroy you. Call it whatever you want. The reality is, whether you believe this or not, there's an enemy. There's an enemy to your soul. Satan is an enemy to your soul. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to kill you, destroy you. He uses everything he can. He uses the allure of life. He uses the allure of pleasure. Whatever he does, every tactic is at play. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. His ultimate, the adversary's ultimate desire is to kill and destroy you. But God said, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. It's just going to come to whose side and whose report you're going to believe. You're going to leave the adversary or you're going to leave this world or you're going to believe God. His word has already said, if you would trust in me, if you would put yourself to me, if you would submit your life to me, if you would if you would call on me, if you would let me be the Lord of your life, here's everything. And I only read a few. There's hundreds of scriptures in here. Hundreds, hundreds of scriptures in here about the promises of God to you and to me. That's what gives us hope today. That's what gives us hope. 
That gives you and I hope today. It's not because we think somehow life's going to change and get better and somehow we're going to be able to find the right job, find the right career, find the right husband, right wife, none of that. There's hope today because he is our hope. There's a song, very popular song on the radio right now. The title of the song is There Was Jesus. It's written uh, and sung by a man by the name of Zach Williams. And um, he's married to uh, a woman by the name, I think her name is Crystal, if I'm correct on that. I can't remember. I think it's Crystal. Crystal uh, grew up in a very uh, difficult home um, by a young age. Her parents were drug addicts, completely and utterly being destroyed by drugs. And on top of that, she was also being abused physically in every other way. And I'll leave that out of it by family members. To the point by the time she was 10 years old, Crystal had already become an alcoholic and already started using certain recreational drugs to try to numb the pain. By the time Crystal was uh, a teenager, she had moved out of the house at a young teenager and was continuing to drink and do drugs. And in order to support her lifestyle, she became a drug dealer at a young age. At the time, she started going around to concerts and Zach Williams um, had grown up in a Christian home, but had found and gone wayward with his life. And he was playing in some uh, different types of bands traveling the world. And somehow they met. I wasn't sure. The story didn't say exactly how they met. But in meeting each other, they got a relationship. Long story short, they found their way back to Jesus. And he wrote the song entitled, There Was Jesus. That was kind of a surmising the journey of not only where Crystal came from, from abuse and hurt and drugs and alcohol and just utter despair, abuse, but just a journey of finding hope in Jesus Christ. And this is the song that he wrote. He says, every time I try to make it on my own, every time I try to stand, I start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, and the hurting, like a blessed, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or could see it, there was Jesus. He said, for this man who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness and a price I couldn't pay, I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day that there was Jesus. There was Jesus on the mountains, in the valleys. 
There was Jesus in the shadows or the alleys. There was Jesus in the fire, in the flood. There was Jesus always is and always was. So I will never walk alone. Never walk alone because there was Jesus. Can I tell you today, my friend, there was and is and will always be Jesus. Father, I have spoken every word you've given me to speak today. Try not to add to or take from that today. But Lord, I'm asking your Father right now that you would confirm your word, not my word for my reputation, but your word. Because you've spoken these to someone watching today that is needing to know that you are real. And Lord, right now, I speak that they would begin to feel peace that comes into their room, wherever they are, wherever they're watching this. They would begin to feel peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind the spirit of hopelessness and despair. I bind the spirit of depression. I bind the spirit of suicide that may be warring right now. I rebuke it and curse it in the name of Jesus. And I lose hope and peace to come right now in Jesus' name. There's someone right now that God is even breaking off the spirit of suicide off of you if you would receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, the despair, the hopelessness, the, the, the feeling as if nothing's ever going to change is always going to be this way. I'm telling you today, there's hope in Jesus. And I rebuke every spirit of fear, every lie of the adversary that says this is the way it's always going to be. And I speak peace from God over your life right now. And I would say to you, if you would just begin to call on his name, you would just begin to reach out to him right now. You don't even need to say anything else. Just do this for me. Nothing fancy. Just do this. Close your eyes. Not so that you can be spooky or mystical. Close them so you don't distract. You don't need to see me. Just forget who's ever in the room. Just close your eyes. Go outside. Get in your car. Whatever you got to do. Go find a... If you don't want to do it in front of anybody, go find a private spot. Close your eyes so you're not distracted. And I want you just to say these words with me. Jesus. 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 I need you, Jesus. God, you're the only hope I have. I need you. Make yourself real and known to me right now. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want you in my life. Would you make yourself real and known? And when you begin to pray that prayer, you're going to begin to feel God just sweep in. His love is going to just take you like a big bear hug. He's just going to hold you and just say, if you let me, I can hold, I can take it. I can, I can, I can, I can cover you. Some of you right now that even are, that may not be to that point, but maybe you're dealing with life right now and it feels like you just went from falling out of the sky to a big drop of manure. Pray and say, God, show me let me see how you see things. Don't let me become in hopelessness and despair because I'm seeing things through my eyes or the eyes of society or through the framework of this world. But God, show me who you are. Show me where I'm at through your eyes. In the name of Jesus, if you would pray those prayers today, I believe God will begin to reach down right where you and you'd begin to feel the love and the power of Jesus Christ as he begins to talk to you and let you know. Because ultimately, God wants to make himself real and known to you today, if you would let him. Every time I try to make it on mine. 